Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 24 of Real Estate Investing in New York with me, Christina Kremitis. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about all of the financial requirements that you need to meet in order to get approved by a co-op board. So stay tuned, we're covering everything here. Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Investing in New York. If you're noticing an audio difference, I am wearing my mic again. I know it looks super nerdy if you're watching on video, but I feel like I don't really have a choice. I was listening to old audio files on this podcast and noticed that there's definitely a difference when I wear the microphone. Just sounds like I'm closer to you guys. Just sounds more romantic. So I'm going to use this and I don't know, I'm looking into other mics that look less loserish than this, but whatever. Anyway, moving on to what you are here for. We are talking today about the financial requirements that you need to meet in order to get accepted by a co-op board. Before I get started with the episode, I did just wanna remind you guys to like and subscribe. Please make sure that you are subscribed to my channels. It means a lot to me and it will also help me to continue making videos like this for you guys. And it'll help the content get recommended to more people and that is the ultimate goal to reach as many people as possible with this free real estate information. So thank you in advance for doing that and let's jump straight in. So if you're looking to buy a piece of property in New York, you may say, well, on the financial front, I am covered. I'm totally fine because I have a bank pre-approval letter and the bank said that I can borrow the money, so I'm good to go. That would be true if you were purchasing a private home or even a condo. But if you are looking to buy a co-op, you are going to have to show a little bit more in order to get approved by the co-op board. The co-op board, which is who you need to get approved by in order to make it into the building in a co-op and successfully complete a purchase. They are way more strict on what you need to show as far as your financial qualifications are concerned than the bank is. So pretty much a bank pre-approval letter does not really mean anything when it comes to being approved by a co-op board. But don't fear, I'm gonna be telling you exactly what you need to be able to show to make sure that you get approved. Something worth mentioning is that every building in the city also has different criteria. So as if it wasn't complicated enough already, every co-op does have its own requirements for what they look for when it comes to an applicant. So that said, you're gonna have way more clarity by the end of this episode than you had before but when it comes to a particular building you still really don't know anything until you get into the details with of that building with your agent so just keep that in mind and also i wanted to mention the reason why co-op boards are so picky it's very frustrating it's sometimes even upsetting when you feel like you have to jump through so many hoops or go out of your way to prove yourself to a co-op board to show that you're qualified. And trust me, I've seen so many examples of people really feeling like personally insulted because a co-op board really has the right to pick a bone with anything that they might not understand or anything that they may not like. So the biggest thing that we wanna look at when it comes to getting approved by a co-op is really just the big picture. When you're purchasing a co-op, you're not just buying an apartment and buying a piece of real estate that you're going to be responsible for. It's not only you and the bank. When you're buying into a co-op, you're buying shares of a corporation. 
the corporation is a business and in order for it to continue running, it needs to be able to collect the maintenance from each unit owner. Each unit owner is like a partner in this business, in this corporation. So with that said, as stressful as it might be to answer all of the co-op board's questions, you would wanna think about it in terms of how would I personally feel and what kind of questions would I ask if I was looking to take on a business partner, someone that was going to share financial responsibility with me and be there for me when things get rough, right? So that's what a co-op board is looking for. They want to see that if things get rough, you can still handle the obligation of the home and that you'll continue making your maintenance payments. All they want is to be able to collect their maintenance without any questions. So I'm gonna give you the quick three item list of the biggest, most important financial requirements that pretty much every co-op is gonna want to see from you. And then I'll explain what each of them are. First is DTI. DTI stands for debt to income ratio. The second is post-closing liquidity. That is the dollar amount that you have in the bank after closing, after your down payment is paid, and after you pay all of your closing costs, attorney fees, etc. They want to see that you have a certain amount of money left over in the bank. And I'm going to tell you what that amount is later in the episode. And the third most important financial qualification that every co-op board is going to ask you is about your employment. They want to see that you're fully employed and there are certain nuances about your employment as well that I'm gonna go into detail on later. And there are also a couple of other really important things to note that I'm going to hold for the end of the episode. So first, DTI, debt to income ratio. This is the most important thing that every co-op board looks at. And the bank looks at your debt to income ratio too. The only thing is that the bank looks at your debt to income ratio and is a lot more flexible on what that ratio is than the co-op board. A co-op wants to see that your debt to income ratio is no more than 28%. And that is a little bit of a generalization. Every building is different. Some buildings are more flexible, but that is the safe number to keep in mind. The debt to income ratio calculation is all of your debts, your monthly debts, your recurring debts, so your car payments, if you're paying student loans every month, if you have outstanding credit card debt that you pay off every single month, including the debts of the new apartment purchase, the maintenance payments for this new co-op, as well as the mortgage payments for this new co-op. All of those debts added up together cannot exceed 28% of your monthly income. So take all of those debts, compare them to all of your income sources. So if you collect rent from a rental apartment, that's an income source. Your salary obviously is an income source. So all of your debts divided by all of your income needs to come out to 28%. If you meet that criteria, you are good to go. You can move forward to step two. The bank's debt to income ratio requirement can go up to, I've seen 44%, 46%. So that's important because just because you have a pre-approval letter and the bank said that your debt to income ratio is acceptable, they may be using a ratio number like 46%, which is obviously way more flexible than the 28% required from the co-op. So it's definitely something extremely important that you want to know. And if your debt to income ratio is too high, 99% of the co-ops are going to reject you right there. So it's definitely a number that is Again, it's the most important thing that you need to know. Number two, post-closing liquidity. Post-closing liquidity is the amount of money that you have in liquid cash in your bank account after all of the expenses have been paid for purchasing and closing on the co-op. 
So the co-op is going to look at your financial statement, which is something that you do need to prepare for them, which will show all of your assets and all of your cash and banks with all of your liabilities. And what they're looking at is they want to see that after the cost of your down payment, after paying all of your closing costs, after paying your attorney, you have enough money in whether it's a savings account or whatever the case is that's liquid that can be used if you needed to that is at least equivalent so the minimum amount needs to be two years worth of maintenance and mortgage payments for this particular co-op that's the dollar amount that a co-op is going to be comfortable with seeing so for a quick example let's say you're buying a co-op that is worth around six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars and you take out a loan, your mortgage payment, let's say it's gonna be $2,500 a month, and let's say that the maintenance on the co-op is $500 a month. So your total monthly expense on this co-op, which is your maintenance and your mortgage, is gonna to total $3,000 a month. The post-closing liquidity amount that you will need to show in your financial statement will be 24 months or two years worth of $3,000 payments, which is $72,000. That is not a small amount of money. So this is why I'm telling you that it's very important to make sure that you are aware of what the post-closing liquidity requirements are for the building that you're interested in buying in and to make sure that you have access to that amount of funds that you are able to show on your financial statement. Of course, again, every building is different. Some buildings will be more, some buildings will be less, but these are the general numbers that you need to know. This post-closing liquidity money, it needs to be yours. They are not interested in seeing that you have a family member that can help you. Like none of those things work with a co-op. So it's very, very important that you're working with a buyer's agent who you can be open with and talk to, who can also help you problem solve if you feel like this might be an issue for you. How can you work around it? What can you say? Things of that nature. The third most important thing that a co-op board looks for is your employment status. So they obviously want to see that you are fully employed, but they do also dig deeper than that. So showing active employment is going to be important, but they also want to see that you've been working in this industry for over a year. So let's say, for example, I used to work in advertising. I worked in advertising for six years and then decided that I was going to change careers and become a real estate agent. If I had gone to get a mortgage that year that I decided that I was going to be a real estate agent, I could have been the most successful real estate agent in the entire world. It wouldn't matter. If I had applied to purchase a co-op the year that I switched careers, that I started in real estate, even if I was able to show the board that I made like half a million dollars in those initial several months, they would be wildly hesitant to approve my application because they will say, well, you did really good so far, but what if that was like a fluke? Or what if that is not an accurate expectation for whatever reason of what your income is going to be in the future? Like, how can you prove to us that this really is your solid income? So when you switch careers and you do not have at least a year under your belt to show, if not two years, the board is going to be really concerned. They're just not gonna feel like there's enough of a track record to feel comfortable with you in this job. And the bank is also going to have the same concern, by the way. So it'll be more difficult to get your mortgage if you're in a brand 
new job than if you had been at the company or within the same industry for five years, let's say. And when it comes to changing jobs, obviously people change jobs all the time, but if it's within the same industry, then you're fine. It's not even a conversation point. But if you're switching out of an industry and into a new one, that's when they get concerned. So there you go. Those are the top three most important things that every co-op board is going to ask you about. Every application will require this information. There are a few other really important things that all co-op boards look for, and I'm going to tell you what those are as well right now. The source of your down payment. The co-op wants to know where the money is coming from that you're using to pay your down payment. So if your situation is very straightforward and let's say you've got money in savings, you have money that's been growing in your savings account, this is your money, it's in an account under your name and you're gonna use that for the down payment, that is so easy, there will be no questions asked. And since the co-op application for purchase will require your most recent bank statements, sometimes they ask for up to three months recent bank statements, that money will obviously be showing that it's been present in your account for all that time and there's no questions asked it's clearly very obvious where the money is coming from but now if you're unable to show that that money has been in your account or in an account with your name on it for the past three months now the co-op board will want to know why where did the money come from so if you've got a down payment lump sum that's hitting your account for the purposes of this purchase and you're less than three months out from having to prepare your co-op application then you know this is something that you are going to have to explain and the source of where the money's coming from is very important so scenarios that are totally appropriate are like let's say you won a settlement of some kind or you won money of some kind or this money is an inheritance or there are many explanations that are perfectly acceptable to use for a co-op board application there are explanations that are much trickier so is your mom or dad giving you the money for a down payment because in that case that is considered a gift by the co-op board and not every building allows gifts not every co-op wants its shareholders to be someone whose parents bought the place for them or even if it's a relative. Many co-op boards want their shareholders to be people that use their own money for the purchase. Again, every building is different. Some buildings do allow gifts and purchasing, parents purchasing for children. But again, it's definitely something that you're gonna need to get clarification on to know if the building that you like is appropriate for what your particular situation is. Co-ops wanna see for at least the first two years since you've purchased the apartment that the owner and the person who's financially responsible for the apartment is going to be the person living in it. Now, unless there's a unique situation, that's what co-ops are comfortable with. They don't want someone to buy the apartment and have someone else living in it. And this goes back to the financial requirements of debt to income ratio, where co-ops do wanna see that you are going to be the one that is paying the maintenance. They want the person living in the unit to be financially responsible for the apartment. Something pretty obvious that I feel is also worth mentioning here is that everyone that will be a owner of the apartment or a resident of the apartment will also have to undergo a credit check and a background check in order to be approved. So that just comes down to the fact that they want to make sure that your credit is good because they are hoping that you are going to be paying your maintenance. So they wanna make sure that you are someone that does pay and the background check they do for obvious reasons. 
So those were the most important things that I wanted to cover in this episode. It pretty much wraps up the most important things that a co-op is going to look for. The thing that I can't reiterate enough is you really do want to be working with a real estate agent who knows the buildings that you're interested in. Most importantly, who knows how to communicate with a management company and with the co-op board because there are right ways and wrong ways when it comes to communicating with these boards. There is a lot of politics involved and successful communication with the management company and with the board is going to be the difference between a rejection and an approval. You want to make sure that your agent is really looking into the financial requirements of the particular building that you're buying in and you want to make sure that you have an open line of communication with your agent that you're able to properly inform them of anything that might be a potential issue and that you're working with an agent who's going to be able to take the information that you give them and showcase your qualifications in the best light for the co-op board so that you make sure that you get the approval that you want. If you want that buyer's agent that has a comprehensive understanding and will make sure that you have the best possible chance at approval, I'm always willing to work with you. You can send me an email. My email address is christina.cremitas at element.com. You can text me. You can get in touch with me on Instagram. My handle is christina.cremitas. Pretty much any way that you wanna get in touch with me, I'd be more than happy to talk about this with you because it is such a necessary component of your transaction. The other thing that I wanna mention for you guys is that working with a buyer's agent is completely free for you. 99.9% .9 of the time, even if you do end up deciding to purchase an apartment, you're working with a buyer's agent. So it honestly is an amazing perk that you have as a buyer to have this representation for you that you don't have to pay for. So something else to keep in mind. So that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. It means so much to me that you're here. It's so cool to see that we are growing a community of people who are setting themselves up for a future of financial success by making intelligent real estate investing decisions today. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for being here. Be sure to subscribe, like this episode, leave me a comment and follow me on all of my platforms. I would love to get to know you guys better. So please feel free to send me your feedback or comment whenever you can stay tuned for next week's episode where i'm going to be answering your questions i've been asking you guys on my instagram to send me your real estate related questions so i can answer them on the show you guys have been amazing at doing that so if you haven't sent me your question make sure that you get it to me i'm going to be answering your questions in the upcoming episodes so stay tuned for that and i'll see you guys soon